from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. And you're listening to Live from the Path, coming to you from the Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. <sighs> Who's that? Why are people making that kind of noise? Here's the deal. We all knew Mike was going to make a weird voice or noise at the beginning of the show like he always does. And so I don't think we should be surprised any longer. No, that's true. I should stop back. I feel like, like I it's what a bison anyway. would say if he came to your door and knocked on the door and you opened it and he goes... <laughs> is this some kind of weird evolutionary creature like what? the hippopotamus with no. wings and a machine hey, gun? Did I tell you? Hold on. Did you, I tell you the idea that I had for a for a sketch comedy or even a comic strip? You oh know boy. that you know that guy on the pedestrian sign. Yeah. Or yeah. the guy on the well, piece, piece old Mojado uh, slip on the floor sign? Yeah. Yes. I thought it would be a great show to be like the life of that guy. So like every day he's like, I'm going to work. And like this today he's getting electrocuted for the Transformer sticker. <laughs> or like, Roger, Roger like they actually, he actually does it yeah. in real life he goes in and so poses. that they can draw it. And every once in a while his wife will come in and pose with him for like when everybody can cross <laughs> here. Or he's got a bathroom oh, sign gig today where actually, he's got to stand in the same place. That's funny. Like he's crossing the road and he's holding his wife's hand, but they're like arguing. Yes. Like, <laughs> they're having a marital spat <laughs> <laughs> and like he, and when he's tired, he there's like a sleeping sign. Well, like uh, there's got to be a sign where someone sleeps, you know. Yeah, I mean, think of all the work he could have. He's right. like, I got to do the seatbelt sign yes. in, a, in an Audi or something, you know. Like Br- brings in his whole family for the work to be on the window decals of families that have six yeah. kids. Yeah. Would he be like a like a quadruplet or something? So then he'd have yes. multiple copies. So then he could just like you go here, you now, go now here, hold. You I don't know here. about this quadruplet angle. I haven't thought about that. Yeah. I mean, your premise was ridiculous enough. We can add the quadruplet <laughs> thing to it. You fine. said a bison knocking on a door. Okay. So. All right, here we go. You're listening live from the path. Here's what we got going on the show this evening. I'm, I'm telling you, this is this is going to hit you. This is, but you don't even know that this is the article that you've always wanted. Six things Christians need to stop saying when evil strikes. When evil strikes? <laughs> I'm sorry. When like evil, we're in a comic book? Like, yeah, when evil strikes. When I don't, Magneto takes over, the X-Men have to come together? Now listen, <laughs> listen here. There may be something helpful in here. I just, the proposal of it, like the way that they've worded it makes it seem like this has nothing to do with me ever. When evil strikes. Because it sounds like something you would never say to your wife. Like, woman, evil has struck. <laughs> There's been a shooting. Evil has struck. As Christians, we got to band together because right. evil has struck. Right. Like, that's the thing is like, actually, that, so when there's a shooting, that's a great example. Because really, you could look at it and go, there's yeah. evil here there's, or something. Yeah, yeah. But you wouldn't say that. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The principalities at work. Yeah. So anyway, six things Christians need to stop saying when evil strikes. We'll hit that up. Uh, there was another article. Is Gazoinks one of them? The biblical meaning <laughs> of a mark on your forehead. Do you want Ooh. the mark of God or the mark of the beast on your forehead? Uh, from our favorite contributor on beliefnet.com. Oh, yes. oh, no. And so we'll th- see how things are going. We can pick that one up. Actually, similar vein, mess. Uh, David Jeremiah is out uh, with how Christians should prepare for the end times. He says, ignore it at your own peril. Which, you know what's so funny? Uh, is is even a, a lot of modern theology comes out of Martin Luther. And Martin Luther's reaction to the end times was, if I thought the world was going to end tomorrow, I'd plant a tree today. Basically, I, you yeah. go about your business doing the things that God asked you to do. It is it is something of which you should be 
There should always be an urgency of bringing people to Jesus and living in right relationship with him. But like this hyper urgency, it just is, is an odd, uh, it's an, actually an odd thing that's come out. It's, it's more recent than I, I think in previous time. Was Martin Luther known for his ecological efforts? Uh, like, did he plant a lot of trees? Yeah, yeah. He was a gardener. Oh, okay. I, was I, he a big uh, rapture man? No. Not at all. No. No, he was Wouldn't saying nothing happened. changes. I'm going to do the same thing today. Exist then. Yeah, right, right. It was. It did was not no exist at the then. time of the Reformation. It was back when they were still reading the Bible. Yeah. Okay, and I, I have, I have opposed, I oppose a question, uh, and we'll probably get to it in the second half of the show. But like, if you, how much does theology really matter? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, Ooh. a whole lot. We'll pick that up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, Booba, you've got a, uh, you've got an, uh, an ask the ask the pastor. I do have an ask the pastor. I was reading in uh, in Second Samuel this last week. Uh, it actually might have been in First Samuel at the very end, and I'm just remembering it weirdly. But there's like flat out necromancy, and it's freaking me out because like yeah. every time I found myself in a place where I'm like, yeah, the Lord works in ways that I've never understood or seen, and so I'm fine with there being a big fish that swallows up dudes, or I'm fine with there being a giant flood. That's that's no problem. It doesn't break my brain. But like this doesn't seem to be like a and the Lord called upon this dead person. It seems to be like just some lady who's a necromancer, and then calls upon, like, the spirit of Samuel yeah. at Saul's request. Which God, God permits. Yeah, we right. That's what I'm trying to figure out is, like, it feels like a weird thing where is God permitting this? Is this, like, there's some demonic stuff going on? Is it on? a fake Samuel? Is it a fake Samuel yeah. that then, but then here's the deal. The Samuel was right. Like, Samuel was correct about the demise of Saul literally happening immediately after. So... Uh-huh. What's going on there? As okay. demons can be. All right, we'll As pick demons it up. can be, right. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about it. I need to ask the pastor about this biblical necromancy. Okay. All right, we'll pick it up. Plus, we got advice on Dear Life in the Path, and uh, we're going to catch up with your voicemails uh, from the Life Path, from the Path complaint line, which is roughly 30 seconds of silence. So, get it. Great. <laughs> and the, the world collectively speaks. <laughs> okay, here we go. Six things uh, that uh, Dan needs to stop saying when evil strikes. <laughs> evil has struck. Look, look how distraught the guy on the picture is. Oh, evil has struck. <laughs> okay, evil. Hold on, hold on. Let me. I gotta set the scene right. I, I need to start saying this though. <laughs> That's true. We could bring it to life. I mean, since there's an article on what to do when it happens, we might as well start calling it out correctly. Yeah. All right. Evil is a part of our world. Terrible and tragic events happen every day. As Christians, we hope to navigate evil events with grace and compassion. But when we attempt to make sense of evil events, we often end up saying something unbiblical. We say things that hurt others we are trying to help. Here are some go-to phrases that Buva says that end up causing more harm than good. Here we go. Sounds about right. Number one, everything happens for a reason. I'll punch myself in the face if I ever say that. <laughs> now, we do say this. People, yes, and people, it is true. Dan says, you, 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 Dan, you stand by it. Okay. Everything well, happens true. Statement. saying it. But, Everything but, has, yeah. Sorry. Just because it's true doesn't mean you have to say it out loud. You got to use, timing is everything on that. Yeah, but the problem is people use it as a comforting statement. Yeah, like, they, they hey, say it in dumb times. Right. Yeah, Evil yeah. has struck in people's lives, everything happens for a reason. Oh, well, then my depression and feelings must be invalid. Yeah, you're walking down the street and there's a knife sticking out of your heart because someone just robbed you. And you're like, well, you know, that happened for a reason. Yeah. That's probably a bad time. A schmuck. Yeah, go ahead and call the ambulance first. I mean. Yeah. Wait, did you just yeah, say I said, ambulance? I just, I, it ambulance? came out poorly. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it happens for a reason. I'm I don't already need an ambulance. <laughs> okay. Ambulance. So, actually, so that, that's a good point. It's actually, you're not even saying anything. 
Right. Yeah. It, it doesn't it doesn't say anything in particular. You're like uh, uh, something. The, I don't know. A guy trips on the sidewalk, gets run over by a taxi cab and you go, well, the world's still spinning. It's as revealing <laughs> as okay. everything in the universe is a potato or not a potato. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. OK. <laughs> the world's still spinning. So is your vision from getting hit by a car. That's true. Indeed. A, a taxi cab will do that. The phrase itself. OK. The commentary is this phrase in itself is not biblical. The fact is that faith is not reasonable in definition. That's a weird it's a weird thing to say. Uh, if it was easily verified by scientific evidence and facts, then it would not be faith. It would be a theory. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What are we even talking about? I, I just, this is a poor justification. Subjects? These people just say words, I swear. <laughs> yeah. The closest Bible verse, oh good, <laughs> a similar Bible verse, to everything there is a season. <laughs> that would be a very crass thing to say to somebody. <laughs> hey, Why is Mike moving around? Yeah, what is he doing? <laughs> a guy, a guy gets hit by a taxi cab and you go up and go, hey, to everything there is a season. <laughs> this is your season this to get is, hit. This is your, <laughs> soon will come your season of healing. <laughs> it is the taxi season. <laughs> yeah, right. First must come the season of taxi. <laughs> but, but you know, Hebrews, isn't it Hebrews that where, where God does say is like, hey, uh, Sometimes things happen because of discipline. Sometimes bad times come, and and there's good things that come from it. And I mean, it's all that's a theme throughout Scripture. I, th- I think uh, they're off there I, a little I, bit. I don't know that. I don't know that I would say it's a theme throughout Scripture that all that all everything is traced by a specific action of God. Well, sure, right, right, but right, but, right, but people, yes, people jump to that. But yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the, but there are uh, of which we will not know whether something was a specific action of God or whether it was a otherwise fallible action of humanity or something in some times. Well, but, but the context of the article is evil. So evil has happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, evil well, you struck. can learn from it. Oh, yeah, you can. I mean, it's, well, it the question is, is that like, does, did God perseverance? And you know, Romans talks about that. And, uh, but that may not be the reason that it happened. It may be something that can happen coming out of it. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Is Either somebody's way, grandma dying evil struck? No, there's okay. A, I'm just trying to like right size what's happening in this situation where they're saying that evil has. Struck. Uh, yeah, they didn't provide any context. Okay. okay. Yeah. Why do we always say when we say evil has struck, we say it in like a deep voice, like you're in a cinematic it's movie? Evil. Right. evil has struck. Yeah, I think that's right. You should have some reverb on there too. Yeah. yeah. I'll see. I'll see what I can do on that. It's foreboding. <laughs> yes. Uh, it says even if there is a. <laughs> What a weird way to put this. Even if there is a great reason for the tragedy that happened. <laughs> what the heck? What's the matter with this person? Is this a human writing this article? This Grandma is, got hit by a car. This AI. What a, what a fantastic tragedy. If you had just lost a close friend unexpectedly and someone used this phrase, you would feel that your grief was being dismissed. Yes. Yes. Agreed. It also assumes that the event that happened had no influence by Satan, sin, and free will. <laughs> the, the, the three. What? The three options of the apocalypse. <laughs> Is this Satan? No. Sin? No. Free will? Yeah. yeah. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? <laughs> I got cabbed by freedom. All right. Okay. Next, <laughs> number number two. Six things Christians need to stop saying when evil strikes. Number two. This is an opportunity for the church. Oh gosh. Has, have you ever heard somebody say no. that? No. I uh, think so. Okay. Okay. Maybe not. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I think I, this I is an opportunity for the church. I mean, I've heard like a half of that statement where like we're like this is a good period of revealing in their life. Like their parents just got divorced. Come on, man. <laughs> Uh, oh gosh! Yeah, I mean, like a call to the church. Hey, y'all need to step forward, 
Right. But yeah, tragedy that's has more struck. Of a call to action. Than, Avengers assemble. Yeah. Oh, good. There's <laughs> evil. Look at look at yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Evil has church. struck. This this frames it as like you see some sort of tragedy and then you're like, this is our opportunity. As opposed to like reasonably, so that in, in that example, Grace, in your example, like you should be praying at the time of something uh, that something rough happens. That like may it be a time of which they're open to hearing from Jesus in times when they normally wouldn't. Like totally, but not like this is an opportunity. For the church. It yeah. is a revealing of like a gotcha preaching, right? Like never waste a good tragedy, mm-hmm. never waste a good news cycle, never never waste an opportunity to play on the fears and insecurities of your, of your population, right? So like here's a situation that happened. This was because we weren't progressing the gospel. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, cause, cause actually I was going to say like I, I, we have to be cautious, I guess, in that like – major tragedy like what else should speak life into that except for the good news of jesus christ so like i don't think you i I think we got to be cautious that we're not saying hey man the church the church should not take should not be there when rough thing happens lest it feel like we're taking advantage like this is the salve man and so we should be in on that but if you're using it as uh, some sort of if it feels like you're marketing or it's a shallow it's not actually community it's it's just like shallow yeah. look whenever there was tragedy we got the church shirts on and we went out so the people would cc the church is out yeah. like that's wrong yeah that traffic thing thing is, is is horrible what a great opportunity for the church to look good it's like, yeah right and it's it also to not forget like god does not bless all these things but he does allow them right oh, sure. so like that they were allowed by god and so like it's because the way they're framing the article is evil has struck because the lord is not watching or like it's is on his watch that evil has struck and God goes, Yeah, I know. I yeah. know that happened. Yeah. Absolutely. It says, uh, God can God redeem an evil act? Yes, he can. However, evil acts should not be seen as opportunities. They are dark and tragic events that we should not seek to gain from. Okay, to be fair though, it's like let's put it in not a, a mustache twisting, right? Like if let's say there is a natural disaster, is that an opportunity for us to get out there and help people? Yeah. Sure. At a hundred percent is not like you wouldn't say it like that, you know. It'd be like because you would because you wouldn't talk like that. It's talking in like a verbose us against them mentality, right? Like this is yeah. an opportunity for the church. Like this is an opportunity for you. Let's go out. We're gonna go out. You guys want to go out? We're gonna help people. We'll get a bunch of food made. We'll buy a bunch of water. We'll get some places for people to stay. Like it doesn't sound like it's such a uh, non uh, familiar aspect to going out and helping yeah. com- the community opposed to like our group your group i think i think what this is the, the, this person is saying out loud the stuff that's never said out loud this oh yeah is the, they sat at the table at the church conference with all these pastors and they were talking about what your church is doing and and like okay a, a tragedy happened well, let's go back to evil an evil thing happened and then it was like yeah, a call to to action and the church engage and it was it was very healthy for the church yeah and and we're having that conversation and like but no one's going out into the public saying man that was great those people right. got shot because we could really do something you, you know i mean it, it's they're 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 saying stuff that's never said out loud right other than inside uh conversation between pastors sometimes like this was this was a terrible thing but some people in our church grew from it too so it's like some good came from it yeah this is where we belong in. I think it's okay to say apostles unite. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think yeah, it's right. okay to say, hey, let's get it on this thing. But you wouldn't go to the person who got hit by the cab and yeah, say, yeah. I'm glad this occurred. Uh, this was a great opportunity for us to get out here and evangelize. <laughs> like, I mean, 
I think it's the fact that it was said in the first place and not acted. It's word like like it's the whole like words, yeah. not actions. Like if you're just saying this is a great opportunity for the church, you wouldn't say that. You just go out there and take the opportunity <laughs> and do the thing because that's what you're supposed to be yeah. doing. Right. Yeah. But I like this is what I'm saying. Like in the churches, this like we've done things that I never had thought of doing before because someone said, hey, there's a tornado and we go out and do stuff. Yeah. And it was like, hey, that's a great idea. Yes. So then there's a tornado and we say, hey, as a church, who wants to go? Yes. We've all been out there and done that because we heard somebody else did it. If they hadn't said that, like in the inside inner circle conversations, we wouldn't have, that, like that never would have occurred to me. Yeah. You, you know, or if I thought, well, I don't know, other people are doing that. I don't know. But they uh, like, no, I guess the church could do yeah, it. Yeah, we could. Yeah. 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 So, so, so that's good and healthy in yes. the right context. But no one goes around, yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't it say it to the newsletter. person. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you just you frame it as a it's it's just who how you're framing it. And am I yeah. we frame this as an opportunity to help someone else or are we framing it like hey, we can enrich ourselves. I don't know people who are doing that. So like yeah. I think people are going out to help. That's my experience. Yeah. yeah. Cuz even like I'll, I'll post pictures sometimes of things I think, ah, it's just kind of like not you know, it kind of goes against my idea, of, but I do it because then other people jump on board. Yeah. Like, like we'll, we've shown some pictures of our, our homeless things. Well, now other people are jumping on board because they saw that. Like, yeah, I went apart. I'm going to be part of it. That's, right. that's really why I do that. Uh, it's so I, you don't know, can't tell the heart and the motivation, especially in, in, the, in the article. But, yeah. Uh, that, that, that's where I think okay. it makes a difference. Six things Christians need to stop saying when evil strikes. Number three, this is because of God's wrath. Ooh. says, we live in a broken world because human nature is to sin. Weird. That is we, just wrong in so many ways. When's the last time you've heard that phrase? Okay, well, so, um, I, oh, I, I, I've, I have heard that. Um, I've said that. Mike has said it. Poorly. Like, yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it says, we continue to see in each day and society gets worse because of it. Evil acts like terrorism or sexual assault and ideal examples for showing the inherent sinfulness of our world. No matter why these bad events happen, it is clear that God was not behind it. He was not trying to punish the innocent victims for not following his word. God's direct intervention and punishment, as described throughout the Bible, is the exception rather than the rule. This is due to his supreme patience, Psalms 103, motivated by his love for us and desire to reconcile us to himself for salvation. Okay, so I'm going to be the unpopular guy in the room. Uh, I think this is, I think you should probably never say this. Yeah. Because you don't know that. But it, but it happens. Is it possible that God is doing something? Sometimes fire hail falls on Egypt. Sometimes. Now, but uh, well, a lot of the time, I'm gonna think about that. <laughs> because like he doesn't like it. Just the context of which we attribute emotions to Yahweh is a tough go, right? Because like our wrath looks different than his. Yeah. Like there's there's built in goodness and justice in his wrath, right? Like the word wrath to us sounds like evil, uncontrolled, you know, maniacal anger, and like God's wrath is full of justice. And and goodness and like that's we don't know wrath that way, and it's it's interesting because like you read through the Old Testament, it's not the except or it, it's not the exception. I don't think like as you look through it, there's a lot of wrath Ooh, in the Old Testament. No, it is. It depends what you're measuring, but by time, it's most certainly is the exception. Like you've got major events, right? right yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, but like. You know, uh, the, the um, uh, to the land that they're coming into in the land of Canaanites, the Canaanites were allowed to persist in their evil for hundreds of years, right. which ended up in a punishment. Of, well, actually, and it was a 
uh, the, the Israelites coming to, and they're allowed mm-hmm. to otherwise remove them from the land. Yeah, because that's their land. Yes, and and that is a justice from God right. from that. I think actually, I think in in our current societal context, I would generally say justice as opposed to wrath because I think people hear wrath wrong. Yeah. Although God is able to handle wrath in ways that we cannot, and so I think it's an okay word. I just think societally we may think of it incorrectly. Yeah, that's fair. But yes, I uh, yeah. So I I don't um. I don't know. You don't see Jesus talking about the same type of thing. You actually don't see outside of the Canaanites. You do not see continued actions of as outside of that part of God's promise. Oh, well, I guess when the Israelites are exiled, right. you see him similar types of things. But like, I just, I, I, it doesn't, it doesn't persist after kind of that particular time period. So like, I'm not, I'm not willing to, I think a human, as a human, it is not your place. And I know that you don't know. Um, but I, I think it is too far for me to go. God is not taking a step into the world, either on a micro macro scale in justice for things people are petitioning and praying for. I, there's no reason for me to take that out of his hand like he doesn't. Well, and also, what what are you trying to prove by saying that? Like, what are, what are, what are you actually doing by commenting that it's God's wrath in some time of evil being struck upon someone's life? Hmm. Like, it just doesn't... I'm not certain what you anticipate that you're getting out of it or giving to them by calling out that it's God's wrath, because yeah, it's not certainly your place to do so. Like you said, mm-hmm. you may not actually even know at all. You don't really have the, the place to call upon that and say truthfully that, it's, that it is. And, like... It's an opportunity for you to to show love to these people in these moments. It feels weird to then go, well, this is just, this is telling of God's wrath against whatever, either it's society or the world or your life or whatever. Just doesn't feel like a gospel furthering or kingdom enhancing thing to say. It's it's also like a non-humble uh, way of approaching the way that God interacts with the world, right? Because mm-hmm. like, you can't say evil has struck and say also that's God's wrath because God doesn't use evil to to produce his justice right now he will use uh evil people like he will use sinful humanity mm-hmm. to do it but like if you were to look at like the israelites being carried off to babylon like in their perspective they're like evil has struck upon us i'm like yeah yeah god is 100 percent allowing all of this to bring you to repentance i mean he sent them my servant yes my servant right, exactly. <laughs> so like that's justice at work not evil at work you know and so like mm. and from a human perspective because we have an arrogance to us right we're like like being brought low will not bring me to repentance. So this is just another notch in the belt of things that have happened to Mike. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like that's the way humanity looks at evil. Harm and evil are not synonymous. Yeah, correct. And mostly not my fault, right? Right. Because once again, humanity goes, I don't deserve any of this. I am fairly upstanding, and there's no way God's justice would be visited upon me. Uh, everything is going to be fine, right? And like yeah. humanity has has had to Israel had to been struck up against that multiple times. Uh, of only so you could see it reflected in your own life that like, I hear what you're saying, God, I hear what you said to do. I did the exact opposite. I'm pretty sure there will be no consequence. Like, you really got to realize the God that you're dealing with here, right? Like you are <laughs> yeah. approaching him as if he is some kind of like librarian or none, right? That you can kind of bowl over and win temporarily. You cannot. Any any temporary wins, he's allowed, Right, anything that you think you've pulled on him, he is allowed. All are within his power. Yeah, we're certainly missing that whole fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom situation. <laughs> Correct. Oh, interesting. So the word that translates wrath in the Old Testament, um, actually, the biblical usage is like the the root of it is actually like nostril, nose, or face. So like think flared, flared nostrils. So anger. Um, 
I don't know, like and stout. The Lord flared his nostrils against Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which, interestingly, like wrath is actually loaded in some ways different than I would think of. Uh, like demonstrated his anger. Um, I, I actually, I think, uh, maybe I think I'm all right moving away from how you use wrath because I, that actually seems to be a, t- a tilting of that. I mean, they use it. So, for example, the, the King James versions will go translates as anger 172 times in the Old Testament. 42 times wrath, 22 times face. It's just, just use the word face. The Lord's face fell upon them. Yeah. In the sweat. Oh, interesting. So it's the same word where it said, uh, oh, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his, that word. His wrath. wrath. Yeah. Or his nostrils into yeah. his face, the breath of life. Yeah. How do you flare your nostrils angrily? How do you do that? I think that's generally. That's that, naturally what happens when you get angry. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one of those rage micro micro. Uh, You've not been righteously angry, El. That's a problem. You really need It'll to get happen. hosed off. And and when it happens, it's an opportunity for the church. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> and it's and it's it's the uh, it's the sign of the apocalypse, which is number four. Yeah, I'm a nostril flare. This is a sign of the apocalypse. These are things uh, uh, Christians need to stop saying when evil strikes. Non biblical signs of the apocalypse. Apocalypse. This phrase is similar to blaming the evil intent on God's wrath, saying that a horrible event happened because of the impending apocalypse. Ah, dog on it. What what should I say differently? Give me another word. Armageddon. Say Armageddon. It's wrong, but say Armageddon. The uprising. Okay. (laughs) The end times. Just say the end times. I kind of like the uprising. Yeah. Okay. Uprising. It's unbiblical. People who predict when doomsday is coming are carelessly reading scripture and making assumptions that God did not intend. Well, look at that. Which is written in the 80s. Gold star. (laughs) This is all 80s preacher stuff. It is kind of, yeah. Maybe that's what they've been. They can listen to the old mixtapes. <laughs> I mean, AIDS was coming out. They're like, oh, you see, it's it's God's punishment. I mean, I mean, right? All, I mean, on the monkeys. I'm, I'm hearing all kinds of '80s preachers. Uh, additionally, we are told several times throughout the Bible to never try and guess when Jesus would return. Okay, that's not really quite fair because although it's several times, it's the same conversation in multiple books. You might be overcooking a rabbit on that one. He said it all the time, everywhere he went. Yeah, it does. Also, does not make anyone feel better. <laughs> Only that much more scared and stressed. This, this Armageddon like is stressing rabbit. me out. <laughs> I swear, everything that comes out of BeliefNet could could actually be a comic book, and I would not know the difference. <laughs> what, what is this called? What's Belief.net. No, 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 no. Oh. Be- Beliefnet.com. Net. Oh, yeah. right. it's like <laughs> yeah. one it, I thought it was Belief.net, too, but it is Beliefnet.com. I thought these were like com. things on BuzzFeed or something. No, we aren't cool enough for the BuzzFeed. Okay. This is like Jesus BuzzFeed. All right, six things. We're rounding out this list. Six things Christians need to stop saying when evil strikes. Number five, God will never give you more than you can handle. Okay, we have approached this before. Uh, often, often you'll be given that very thing. God gives his toughest battles to his hardest warriors. <laughs> you don't know there's a wolf inside me. There's two wolves inside me. Guess which one wins? The one I feed. <laughs> Oh, it's no. the dumbest crap ever. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I believe that is a legitimate Native American proverb, okay. so I apologize if I am hurting one of his feelings. You're being culturally insensitive to Dan and all of his cultural sensitivity. Uh, I feel like that's just a skinwalker, an animal wearing a people suit. Yeah, if you are uh, a member of the Sign Chippewa of the or Navajo tribes, you can use the Life from the Path complaint line 515 Or like the other 450, but whatever. No, not. I, I can't list them all, Booba. 
No, I would love to see you try. No, yeah. That sounds like a fun extra of the show. Listen here. I'm, if you want to see that, let us know on the Live from the Path complaint line. If I don't you want have... to see a clip of Ben trying to remember all of the Native American tribes that have existed. Oh, I remember. But I do not have the braggadocio <laughs> to share it with everyone. The braggadocio, like this. huh? <laughs> all right. Uh, this phrase seems rather logical and may even help calm you. If you forget your lunch at home or have a following following out with a friend. I'm oh, sorry, what? If you forget, you forget your, your lunch. My lunch at home. I'm the Lord's smallest soldier. Lord, why have you put this burden upon me? What? I forgot my bologna and cheese. It's the Lord's wrath. Okay, I feel like a lot this of these articles for the church. are an unintentional joke. It's not of the apocalypse. But this yeah. is... That's ridiculous. That's, yeah, <laughs> right. Some of it seems like if you were if you were three miles out of your mind, it would make sense. Yeah, this one just seems insane. If you forgot your lunch at home, like the, the Lord does, does not give me more than I can handle. Help me find a mobile hoagie. Yeah, yeah. The Lord didn't give me more than I could handle today. He gave Jeez. me Casey's. All right. Saying it to others when evil strikes, though, really does not provide any comfort to the receiver. It can sound dismissive of the problem they are going through and can make them feel angry at the Lord. Yeah, I mean, agreed. You should yes. not. Yeah. Yeah. If you say this, uh, stop. Uh, this yeah, is the about, one. How that about f- you say, yeah, God sometimes gives you more than you can handle. Right. How about you reach out to him so yeah. he'll handle it for you? Let's, let, let me show you how to do that. Very, very right. specifically, you know God all the time yeah. will give you things that you cannot handle yeah. because yeah. it's not That's your job life. to handle it. Yeah. He's trying to go, hey, guess what? I'm your king and your God. Yeah. You can come to me with this. I've got you. I'll do uh, be the heavy. Yeah. Bench press this, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, yeah. gosh. Uh, additionally, get another lunch through Christ who strengthens me. Got to inject. Sorry, Ben. Uh, someone's got to crochet something. I forgot my lunch, and God will never give me more than I can handle. Uh, additionally, the phrase is not a direct verse from the Bible like many people think. I'm not surprised that a lot of people probably think yeah. it's from the Bible. Yeah, I could see that. Okay. God don't bless no mess. <laughs> The Lord I'm shall you, never give I'm you a, more than you can handle. I'm going to tell you this. I say that all the time. I know you do. I know it's not. It has no biblical sound. I just like it. <laughs> God don't bless no man. I, I just like it. I don't oh. use it in the context of which it was intended. It's just a, I, I reach for it. It's we a fun to, phrase for me. We need to do a compilation like game show where we have all of these non-biblical phrases to see if we think they're in the Bible or if we're not. Yeah. We should play Jeopardy with like things you guys have said. That sounds great. Wait, too. no, it's Wheel yeah. of Fortune. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, 400. Uh, also sounds great. Things not in the Bible for 400. God Bo- don't bless no mess. <laughs> Benisms for 800. Apocalypses. <laughs> that cuts deep. Uh, okay, last one. Number six. Uh, things not to say when evil strikes. Did you hear that? Dot, dot, dot. What? Oh, it's just, did you hear? Did you hear about this? It's like gossiping. Did you uh, hear that? No, oh. hold on. When evil happens, believers and non-believers alike are quick to try and figure out the why. Our desire to understand the bigger reason makes us easily susceptible to rumors and conspiracy theories. We feel an urge to pass along the news that might not be vetted by credible sources because it gives us a sense of peace and understanding. There's already so much misinformation out there that Christians should not participate in spreading. Followers of Jesus should always speak the truth. When tragedy and evil strikes, Christianity may not know how to best respond. What? I think this could have been a list of five and then a sixth add-on that goes, and also don't gossip. Or yeah. Don't share, don't share stuff on social media that hasn't right. been verified or Did something. Did you hear that, that Brenda that? lost her lunch? 
And the Lord ordained it. Some evil person took her life. <laughs> she, the uprising is coming. That's pers- what I heard. <laughs> Perseverance led to hope. <laughs> hope I mean, to whatever. I get sad when I don't get lunch, but I've never thought it like apocalypse style. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay, this one's weird. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, to round it all out, when tragedy and evil strikes, Christians may not know how to best respond. We rely on quick inspirational messages or cliches to diffuse the situation. However, these phrases rarely make anyone feel better. God wants us to respond to these dark events by praying, joining with other Christians, and finding strength in Him. Through God, we can heal and deal with negative emotions in an effective way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so, so maybe one of the, so what in the column, column of what you should do, uh, don't reach for a quippy phrase. No. Uh, because to, to, to that point, like, uh, people's situations aren't tailor-made for whatever quip you have at you. They're dealing with real tragedy, real, could be the presence of real and tangible evil in front of them. And like the, the word of the Lord will help here. Uh, your, your quick psycho- psychology from a phrase that you remembered from a movie or something is just simply not going to do it. One of the most impactful things that ever hit me when evil struck, uh, was somebody that, that showed up at my place and was like, I don't know what to say. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, but I'm here. And I go, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. And we just went and sat on the couch. And I freaking bawled like a baby. Mm-hmm. And we didn't make it weird. It was just like, I can't. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You yep. got to do that. You do that. And I'm like, all right. And that's what we did. Like, it was just flat out someone being willing to be there and knowing that whatever. It might be awkward. It might be the monster crying in the corner. I don't care. It was just flat out just like, all right, I'm here. I, I like I, I recognize that you're going through stuff that I may never ever have any understanding or words to say, but my presence to show you that you are not alone is is huge, yeah, and incredibly impactful. Yeah, I would say, and and uh, Dan, I'd be interested in kind of in your experience, but like you know, doing doing funerals or being around around people when they're mourning or whatever. Like, I can't think of a situation where I felt like I've given advice outside of. Things that are along the lines of, hey, man, like the thing that you're feeling, it's okay. Yeah, like like yeah. helping normalize so that people – because people get oddly self-conscious in weird in situations like that where like, mm-hmm. am I reacting the right way? And so like making sure to, to normalize some of the stuff that they're feeling or thinking or they're fellows who can't stop crying and you're like, dude, it's fine. And yeah. making sure they know that. But past that, I you know – and, and I think the problem is, and it's not necessarily a Christian thing, it's a people thing. Right. We feel like we have to say something – and if I have to say something, I might as well make something that'll make you feel better. Maybe, mm. like I, you know, I, I was at a, uh, I, I did a funeral for a baby once, and and someone came up to the mother and said, "Well, you know, your baby's in hell because you didn't have them baptized." Oh, classic. I don't, I don't think that really made them. I know, as a matter of fact, I'm, I know that did not help the mom feel any better. <laughs> right. Um, now that's what you should put in the article. Don't, don't tell people that they went to hell. You know, at, <laughs> right? at the funeral. That, that's a. Yeah, you wait until the week after. Yeah, yeah, yeah do it the next week. No. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's Sorry, when you're doing joke. a potato salad later. But um, yeah. yeah, I cool mean, so people they're do say hell. inappropriate things uh, for sure. And I think it's mostly because they're forcing something. And, and I don't think she meant that evil. That that person mm-hmm. did not mean that to be right. Evil. It was evil. Yes. But, yeah. but uh, they felt like, well, I have to say something. So therefore, I'll force something really dumb out. They could have just said the Lord called him home. I mean, I've heard all kinds of like, oh, well, you'll yeah. have another, you know, and, 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 uh, and people say things with the best intentions, they, they, but their God intentions just an angel. It's like, that's not an angel. No. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. No. It's like, <laughs> don't know. They grew wings. 
Yeah, it's not a canary. Actually, that, that you that's didn't a, baptize them; they went to hell. That's a good. Um, that's a Fine. good. That is a good reminder. Is that like in the presence of situations that you're not sure what to say, then don't say anything. Right. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say the nothing. response is not to Just fill that there. air. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. 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 Where, where you lack wisdom and experience, like that's not the time to try to assert yeah. wisdom and experience. <laughs> this is why you I should s- always be praying for the Lord's wisdom, not your own. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because your intelligence and wisdom sucks. I the spent Lord is hours of silence with people. I mean, yeah. because, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, I, I mean, led yeah. I led a candlelight service once where it was uh, a, a friend's dad shot her. Uh, it was an accident. He was drunk, and they were playing around with a weapon, and he killed his daughter. And I got called out by the family to, like, lead this candlelight. And I'm sitting there, and I'm praying, and, like... Maybe did five, ten minutes of prayer. We lit our candles up. And, like, the amount of people that came up to me and just started asking, like, super dumb stuff and, like, were like, I want to talk to the fan, Like, friends that were just like, I don't know what to say. I'm like, then don't. Don't. Nothing. You have no idea. <laughs> Sorry. Like, we, I think we were, like, me and my friend group were maybe 20, 21 at the time. And so I'm like, we're not the wise people in this room that are going to offer, like, serious things that are going to change perspectives and stuff like that. Just shut up. Show up. But shut up. Yeah. Like that's the best thing you could do. Maybe I'm yeah. I'm put that on a shirt for myself. Is show up but shut up. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, let's see here. Where are we at? Uh, we, oh, let's actually do, move it. Let's do, uh, let's do your ask the pastor. Okay. All right. So, Sounds good. Hit us with the context. Uh, so context here. So, um, it is, um, Saul and David are at odds. Saul is the, uh, the chosen king, uh, by God at this point in time, well on into his, his kingship. Um, and uh, he's being pursued. I, I think it was after he had pursued David multiple times and David just flat out like completely didn't kill him when he could have multiple times. It's finally a situation where he's not even fighting David. I think he was fighting Philistines, if I remember correctly. Um, but it's this weird situation where Saul, after Samuel died, is trying to then get counsel from Samuel, who had given him counsel all throughout Samuel's life, uh, spoken to Saul, told him all these different things. And like a chapter prior, it talks about that Saul had like abolished necromancy and like sorcery and stuff like that and like had killed a bunch of these people that were practitioners. Mm-hmm. And then the next chapter, it is it is Saul essentially in in like terror and peril of the coming doom that he feels he's like i need to speak to samuel so like bring me a necromancer essentially bring me a sorceress yep and so they get this somebody says i know of this gal and they they said her name of this town nearby probably and they go and they basically go hey i need to speak to samuel who's dead and she goes well no (laughs) like you you just killed a bunch of them i'm not going to then do it for you you're probably just trying to set me up and like kill me too and he goes no i need you to do it right now so it says that she essentially like calls upon samuel who was fully dead at this point in time to like speak to saul and give him some wise counsel Mm -hmm. and it happens and samuel comes back and samuel gives a pretty foreboding message that's like you saul and your son jonathan and his children and all of them are going to die in battle you will lose this battle and are going to be killed and trampled and taken over bye-bye Right. Yep. And like, I'm. It, it was this weird thing that hit me because like I have no qualms with believing in the in the supernatural, if you want to call it that. Yep. Uh, that happens in the Bible. There's plenty. I mean, straight up, you know, 15 chapters in a book book before, uh, somebody's talked to by a donkey, and the donkey is like flat out speaking to the yeah. dude, saying, 
have, have I not been good to you this whole time? Yeah. The angel of the Lord is in front of me, right? right? I'm a good donkey. Have I have no been? problems. That you're okay, I'm a good donkey. I've always been. Why are you beating me? <laughs> right. And he goes, I don't know. Uh, I believe that this stuff is true. But then, like, it's this weird thing that, like, this isn't a situation where it says, and then the Lord brought a word from Samuel or something like that. It's mm-hmm. just flat out, this chick calls upon Samuel, who is dead, grabs Samuel back. Samuel gives a weird message and goes, bye-bye, you're, uh-huh. you're out of it tomorrow, and then just is done. Yep. And then it moves on. And so I'm super weirded about that because I don't know... I don't know how to take that. Like, I, yep. I, I believe that it's a truthful thing. I don't think it's a history book that's trying to, like, pepper in some weird mysticism. I believe that it did happen. It did tell a true thing. Like, if Samuel was brought back, it wasn't just somebody pretending to be Samuel and then just saying a harebrained thing and then maybe being right. Mm-hmm. It flat out, all the way of what was said, happens. Yep. And so, what Wait, wait, is is there demonic necromancy that's happening? But it's 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 going down where Samuel is able to then give a word from the Lord. Is Samuel, as a dead person, able to see the plans of the universe that is going to happen the next day? Or is the Lord then taking advantage of this opportunity to give a message to Saul from a deceased Samuel? Like, there's just a lot of ways that that this is has been kind of racking my brain, and I wanted to ask the pastors about that. Like, what is that? What have you thought about those those passages? Like, what does that mean to you? Am I missing something cultural, maybe? Or am I hearing it or reading it wrong? Like, what's happening? I don't know. Dan, do you have initial thoughts? I've always kind of uh, looked at that. Uh, basically, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. I kind of expected that answer. Yeah. Right? I, I mean... Uh, was it was it really him? Yeah, maybe. Was it a demon instead? Maybe. I, I mean, we we really don't really really don't know. Um, he was wearing a robe, and 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 uh, he he says, "Why why are you disturbing me? Like I'm 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 kind of past this. Why why are you bringing me back? Um, you know, that could have been a demon doing that. I mean, right? I, yeah, but but I think I think the important for us the important lesson right. is don't mess with that. Like I don't even go with horoscopes any of that stuff because. There's too much truth in the spiritual dark yeah. world. That why even go there? Why play with it? If right. if, if uh, the Old Testament was so clear on it, I, I, then yes, just just stay away from it. Um, well, you know, Saul was desperate and he was trying to get right. You, you know, like, uh, it didn't change anything. Right. So why did you do it? You know, you know just stay the, out of it. Doesn't the chasm thing that Jesus talks about take the fact that it could be Samuel out of it? Is that not a universal truth? Um, well, oh. no, no, I don't. Uh, the, the reason, only reason I don't think so is because I, it, the, uh, I don't think this depends at all on the power of uh, the Witch of Endor. Mm-hmm. I think it's not relevant to her at all. Like whether, and I think Dan's right, I think, there are, I think there's two options. I, like I, God could have yeah. uh, used, uh, allowed Samuel or a vision of Samuel or something to respond to Saul. He breaks his own rules once yeah. in a while. He totally could, right. Yeah. The, As he has ever read to do. The, the chasm you would say is that like a human cannot choose to do this. They do not have the freedom to otherwise interact with the world. Right. Nor does another human have the ability to call another human back from wherever their final destinations are at. However, could God do something like that? Yeah, totally. I think he totally yeah. could. And for context, I I was trying to find it. It's in First Samuel twenty eight. Okay. By the way, so if anybody wants to follow along or find that, it's it's the uh, Saul in the median of medium of N. Yeah. The Witch of Endor is great though. I like. Uh, it's not. Is that how I grew up learning it? I feel like- Endor is the moon where the Wook or the Ewoks live in Star Wars. Is no, it-, it was Witch of Endor in our Bible back in the day. Hold on. Now I have to check. 
Wait, the oh, word... N, oh, N dash door. You're right. Sorry. I'm yeah. not seeing it. I have which a crack in my door? screen. You're right. Heck yeah. Okay. Oh, I see it. You see which, I see medium. That's, Come that's on. the only difference. So, um, okay. So, so maybe a couple. Maybe that's where George Lucas got Endor for the Ewoks. Very possible. Um, so in reaction to that, I would say a, a couple things. Is it, um, like I said, Dan's right. I, I'm, I'm kind of open that it could be either either one of those things. Mm-hmm. I think the... The things to be clear about at the story, one, it's not at the power of the medium. Um, right. She, did, she, did, she has no power to do any of those types of things. It's super interesting. Um, like, I think part of the point is watching Saul's separation from God and in desperation, he's willing to reach for anything. Um, uh-huh. Like, in absence of God, um, he will try to reach for, like, a calling of Samuel, but he knew it's through evil means. He, right. He's the one who banned Yeah, it. literally, in the, in the, like, verse 4 of that chapter, it says that Saul had just driven out all the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Yes, that's right. And so, in pursuit of his own thing, yep. right, um, when worried about his own skin, he's willing to otherwise defy something that he had done positively in cer- like in recognition of what God said yeah. is good to go serve himself. And so I like part of part of this is is they're not trying to tell us it's not trying to set a biblical standard of how you think about necromancy. Right. right. We're watching Saul's decline. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's that's how I tried to take it in as well. Yeah. Is because like this is this is not um uh, some kind of pocket universe situation where this is the only time that someone has done anything like this. Obviously necromancy and or medium work or spirit work or whatever you want to call it is existing at the time. It's happening all over the place. It's happened throughout the Old Testament up to this point also. And so like it's not this weird microcosm where it's out of no where it's like whoa i've never even heard of that before but it just seemed interesting that like that samuel was there and answered and then there's an actual portion of and this is the message that came from samuel that kind of threw me off a little bit as i'm just like yeah and you're absolutely right like this is at this point in time saul was the appointed one uh, of of the king or of god to be the king over the people like he was the super tall good looking fella that god called upon to do the thing and then has declined since then and now towards the very end of it after like years upon years of debauchery and running away from his god like this is the end for him is like yeah you are absolutely he's he's i think he he messed over samuel right before samuel died too and so like Yes, right, exactly. And so, like, this is just, it was an interesting thing for me uh, to see, not only did he call upon this this medium, uh, Witch of Endor, yep. whatever you want to call her, uh, Samuel responds. And yeah. there's there's this interesting thing of, like, there's a correct response from Samuel. Well, and so here's, here's the I think, also the right contextual way to think of it. God responds. Okay. And yep. allows, and uses, allows Samuel, yeah, or uses right. Samuel's image to do it. And one of the things stuck with me that, that an uncle of mine told me one time is uh, we were talking about faith healing. And he said, uh, I, you know, I think I was talking about when I was younger, like a real jokey man, like, oh, there's a bunch of charlatans and stuff. And, and then he said, you do realize that people actually get healed sometimes in those situations. And I'm like, but like, they're charlatans. He's like, yeah, but God isn't. So like, even if the environment of fools and people trying to manipulate things for their own wisdom or whatever. Like, does it happen that sometimes people who actively believe that God can do something, God does do something that had nothing to do with the the carnival that was going on around them. I think most of the stuff is fake, but like, are there people who have legitimately been healed in places where the humans involved were deceitful and self-serving? Yes, because God is still good. And so right. the Witch of Endor is almost irrelevant to this part of the story. It is, the, it is a... 
ironically, a medium of which yeah. God responds and two things happen. Like one, uh, God decides to interact in a place that is obvious that it's him because we recognize the evilness and, frankly, the charlatanism around necromancers based upon right. Saul's e- previous behavior, right? Right. Secondly, it's so important to recognize that trajectory of the narrative because now you know that when Saul dies, it happened because God knew it, yeah. eyes wide open. It's Saul, not just, yeah. oh, human human battle happened yeah. and Jonathan died and Saul yeah. died. Yeah, that's true. You he, know it, God, God didn't just lose his king. Yes. Like he knew yeah. it was going down. Yes. It's almost I hadn't thought of it in this context before, but it's almost like God is just giving one final dig. To Saul, kind of. It's yeah. like, dude, I've been telling right. you, I've been telling you. Yep. Yeah, you've run away from me. From a dead guy. Right. I mean, like yep. you're not listening, and here's it's going down. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. dead guy that you peeved off right before he died, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna call upon him in his death, yeah. and then go, hey Samuel. Like I know we didn't end on a good note, <laughs> but any chance you can help me figure out how to get away from this Philistine thing? And then God through Samuel was like, nope, you're dead. Your sons are dead. Their house is dead. Everything from under you is gone. Just yeah. a heads up. Yeah, and, and this, this is just, and David oh, will reign. I will call upon the one that you have been run, who you have been pursuing for years, who has like not killed you because he's faithful to me, and he has said, uh, "How am I to? Who am I to kill the Lord's anointed?" Right. That he says to Saul over and over again. Right. And then God's like, "He doesn't have to do it. I'll take care of it." It's, it's checkmate from God. Right. Yes. In this little game of chess they've been playing, and it also is a clear. Um, it's a clear break, right? So, like, otherwise you might say, right. "Well, uh, it it follows Saul's lineage." Right, because Saul dies, Jonathan dies, or whatever. Um, this is a very clear um, judgment and representation of God that said, "No, no, I anointed somebody else. We're moving on from the yeah. Saul dynasty." Your long, yeah, your dynasty is gone, and you have, and there's a chance to explicitly talk about it in what is a very memorable right piece of the narrative. So, like, the, I think it serves is, multiple functions right. there. Yeah. Okay. Hey, wait, I have a quick question. Okay. So I just read it on Choice Phone. I read the verse, and like, Booba. what? Sorry, Booba. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just messing. Go ahead. But. And it said, like, the lady, or Saul, the lady was like, who do you want me to bring up? And Saul's like, you know, he's Saul. Sammy. Samuel. Samuel, sorry. Mm -hmm. But, like, does that imply that the lady can, like, bring up whoever? Because she kind of asked, like, who do you want me to do? It's because, yeah, yeah, that's a great question. That is a great question. It's because she's a charlatan, right? Like, if you're a person putting on fraudulent things. Right, let me speak to Abraham. You're not bound by anything. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So right. like there's a way for you to conjure up and fool people in such a way that like they could say you wouldn't go, oh, well, I can't talk to that guy. Or you might. You might go, hey, let me talk to Abraham. And you can't <laughs> produce it. So you're like, oh, Abraham is unavailable. <laughs> Abraham was on the John. He's, a, right? He's in the, the trenches of Mishrath. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, in shield. that's why, Layla, because she's a fraud. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Like I said, I was just, um, that, that kind of hit me weird as I was trying to understand it, but like it taking it in the context of, of the story of Saul up to this point does make a little bit more sense. And you're absolutely right. God has the absolute power to use charlatans like that and go, yeah, you're kind of in a weird place and are messing this up. But like, guess what? I'm still God. And I still reign here and I still have power over this and we'll write this or redeem it or correct it or set it on the course that I want to. Yep. And you know, you know what's funny uh, is we have I've had this in our family where like p- people have died under kind of mysterious circumstances or whatever, and like they just went a little bit bonko and like sought out something like this. Like, yeah, like it, it's it's interesting when 
some of the things that happen in your human life just start to jack with you and you lose your you lose your frame of reference for good and like you start grabbing at some because it's a really weird thing to be like i'm not gonna reach for this spiritual being god that's been with me my whole life yep but i'm not bailing on spiritual beings (laughs) i'm just gonna choose a different one yes to maybe contact some human spirit somewhere like it's an odd I get I, I I more understand people bailing from faith in the sense in the presence of tragedy and evil than I am them seeking out evil right. to help them understand evil. Yeah, it's like I know God is completely in control and has been ordaining my entire life from step to step to step. I've had multiple conversations with him and countless prophets that have shown up to me and given me his word. I kind of miffed that though, so I'm just gonna try and speak to the other extra dimensional beings that I might exist that that I think can call upon and then go. Uh, you got anything for me? Like really stretching here, trying to grab a hold of something. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to, to try on this out too, like this is not a good place to go. Oh, well, I think necromancy is real. Right. It's God. Like there's a, there's an irony to the story that if you don't read the initial verses, you don't recognize that after the kicking out of the necromancers and mediums, uh, God even then shows up when Saul tries to circumvent his own path to do to um to seek out what is not through god but through mm-hmm. another means right? right that's god stepping in to go no yeah. <laughs> nope. not a oh see the necromancer could find samuel that's that's this is the wrong place to try to justify that and frankly it happens nowhere else this is the only example yeah right okay fair enough well thank you i appreciate the answers i just wanted to bring that up as that was something i've read in the last week so yep also in that entire thing the word necromancy and i don't know how to say it, uh, that kept flying around I don't know what that means. What is it? It's mean? uh, like, uh, well, necromancy is bringing someone from the dead to either speak or actually trying to resurrect them to life. Oh, that makes more sense. Now. Thank you. So, is technically Jesus a necromancer? I, uh, <laughs> one, I don't think someone can perform necromancy on themselves. No, no. He, Lazarus and uh, the the Gentiles uh, daughter. In, in the word, yes, technically then. I can't believe you said that. I mean, <laughs> but like, here's the deal. Well, okay, if, if we're following it, it's it's from the right power source, though. Like, it's from the correct power source that I'm he's performing. I'm a righteous performing. necromancer. Yeah, like he's not he's not performing necromancy for evil means. Like he's ta- he has power over death and yeah. the keys to Hades. It's just like he pulls up and goes, "I will now perform necr- necromancy." <laughs> like it sounds so ridiculous. So if it's righteous necromancy, then it's good. It's fine. I mean, okay. I think Jesus performed something equal good. Don't get your theology from Uncle Bula. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. yeah Chapter I think 7, that's... Righteous Necromancy. Righteous, necro- <laughs> righteous Necromancy sounds like an awesome band name, first off. Uh, yeah, no, okay. I know. Yeah, the ability right. of, one of, the, of, one, of one of those beliefnet.com comic book characters. He performs no. Righteous Necromancy. That's his whole thing. Okay, so this leads then into Mike's... Uh, He's got Lunchromancy, too. Mike's he can question. make a bunch of... Fish and loaves, which is what, like I'm not gonna word it right. Which is is theology important? Is that the question? Well, kind of, right? Like, because <laughs> like your instant answer is gonna be, of course it is, right? But yeah. like, so a friend of mine uh, sent me a video. We're going through a study, right? And he's like, uh, part of the study is watching this video. So watch this video. So I pull up the video, and ten minutes in, I'm like, this dude's a Calvinist. <laughs> like I just I can just tell by the way he's talking, he's a Calvinist. I'm like, yep, dang it, you know. And, and then like I started. I, I told him that, you know, and I, he goes, I, I got to be honest, I don't understand a whole lot about Calvinism. And so I geared, I get geared up. Like, I don't understand very much either, like Ben does. And so, like, every once in a while, you guys will talk about it. And I'm like, I think there's five points of Calvinism. I understand, like, two of them. The other three, I'm yeah. like, but those are the majors, the ones that I said, <laughs> you know. So, but, like, his response was, he goes, you know, uh, 
I don't know. Like when I'm having conversations with people who don't know Jesus, I you know, like we it just doesn't come up a ton. Like I'm I'm good with with God's grace and like his dying on the cross and our sins for gone for our freedom and 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 he goes I just I guess I never got really too delved into like the difference between the denominations and and you know some of the theology we believe and like part of me was like but some of that stuff really matters and then I thought about it for a couple more minutes I'm like it only matters when I'm fighting with other Christians now that I think about it <laughs> right like I this only seems to come up when other people who also claim to to follow Jesus like have picked a weird place to like cause a cause trouble you know like uh whatever once saved always saved or like I don't know, you didn't get baptized, and you're on your way to get baptized, and you got hit by a bus, and now you're out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I was I was thinking about it, and, and like, I, if I'm going to attempt to answer my own question, I think God has, like, obviously gifted teachers and people who preach the Word. And I think that, like, making distinctions on people trying to pervert the Word of God, I think, do matter, right? Like, on some of the finer points, like, like there's denominations and theological thinking that'll go, well— what did Jesus do for the three days after he got after he was crucified and then he rose again? And like people will die on this hill, like as if it really matters to our entire faith what exactly happened, right? And they're like, but but it has to do with this, and that's why it ties into this verse in the Bible, and you can't say that that's not true. Like they're trying to protect the inerrancy of God's word, right? And and so like I get how it gets there, but part of me was thinking like I you're right I don't know like would I much rather like spend a good portion of my time talking with people who don't know Jesus and introducing him to the things that I know, opposed to like arguing the finer points of theology in a heated matter with like other Christians. You know what I'm saying? So like that was the question. And maybe it's it has to do with like where God has you personally or what God has tasked you with or, you know, the things that God has put on your heart. But like seems like the just as as, as much as you're passionate about where Jesus went for three days in this area, this other dude over here is equally as passionate about it. And then, like, we've not come together as as one mind and in one faith. We've decided to, like, argue over this this thing. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's the question. Uh, what is Calvinism? What is theology? <laughs> I'm just going to ask the Calvinism. same exact thing that it's Grace unrighteous did. unrighteous necromancy. <laughs> <laughs> so no imaginary congressman. <laughs> And that okay. is a better joke than you think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, theology is the is the study of God or God's nature. Oh, I thought it was plants. Okay, yep, yep. That's nope. Way different. Biology. <laughs> oh. Uh, life from the pathology. Um, <laughs> um. And so, and then Calvinism. Just a rough run of it, it was, comes from a man named John Calvin, um, and he was he was uh, articulating five five uh, principles. He didn't call it Calvinism when he was alive, did he? He, he didn't. He did not. <laughs> that would have been awesome. These are the five points of of my isms. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, and his, uh, generally speaking, his um, his position was is that basically you do not have free will. Free will. He didn't believe in free will. Um, he said that God basically controls. He chooses. Well, when it comes to salvation, he didn't believe in free will. Uh, even beyond that, like I think it's implied. Um, it's a. It's, the implication actually extends beyond. Like you can't control anything. <laughs> I don't uh, want to argue theology with you, Ben. Yeah. So we're saying no imaginary tigers then. No uh, yeah. If you want to, his core thing would be is that God chooses you. You don't choose God. And so if he pre-chooses before you're even created that you will not uh, receive his rescue and blessing, then you will not. And there's nothing you can do about it. I don't like this. Yeah. Wait. So Calvinism is basically like 
a small religion. Just a little, like not a religion, but like a break it's off. It's a denomination. Yeah, <laughs> we we split. There's a lot it's of like denominations that split over this very thing. Yes. Um. Be, be, now, again, if you if I'm being kind to the thought, it 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 thinks very highly of God. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, the things are God's prerogative. And as humans, who are we to contend if God chooses some people and does not choose others? Isn't that his prerogative to do? And the answer would be yes, if I believe that to be true. Right. I, don't, I don't think scripture bears that out, although I mean, a Calvinist would certainly knife me in the parking lot in contention with that. But like, um, I hope you're predestined. <laughs> are you one of the elect? Or, or, do you, or do you know a righteous necromancer? Guess we'll find out. Yeah. yeah. This is an opportunity for the church. Yeah. Is your name in the book of life? So, and I mean, there's another thing like, like humans are, are born uh, sinful and they have no rescue out of that. Like we would actually, there's parts of this where we're like, well, I mean, it seems kind of like, right. um, but anyway, that's, that's Calvinism. And so you tend to split between Christian denominations who believe that God has given humans the choice to respond to his rescue that could apply to all versus um, humans do not have a choice. God gives you a new heart. And so it's completely God's prerogative to choose. And you have no particular control over that, over whether he changes your heart or not. That's Calvinism. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, okay, so to answer, I don't, Dan. Did you have a thought on the importance of theology? Uh, okay, here I've been I've been trying to formulate this, so it could come out, you know, not making sense. But in my head, it's it's beautiful. <laughs> my mirror works the same way. <laughs> it always is, Dan. <laughs> think think of, of systematic theology like like you got an automobile, right? There, there's a there's your Chevys, there's your Ford, there's your Volkswagen, whatever. Each each vehicle has engineers, and it's all engineered to work together. And and from start to finish, uh, everything about it works together. Okay, and, and and but they're different. You know, Volkswagen doesn't may or may not work in a Ford. You, mm. you know, mm-hmm. pieces, parts, a carburetor, yep. or whatever. Um, do they even make carburetors anymore? Uh, so so what we tend to do, the average Joe, we just kind of pick and, and, and choose these pieces of theology and say, I like this one, I like that one, without understanding the full concept of, of – because each the, uh, Calvinism, Arminianism, I mean, all these different views, they, they, they determine where you're going to go with, with eschatology, the end times, where you're going to go with sin, how, how do you recover from sin. I mean, everything, everything is all one – little piece uh, that's all together. And um, that's probably one of the downfalls of our modern society is we haven't taught theology very well. So we don't know. I don't know if I'm driving a Ford or a, or a Chevy or, or whatever. We're just kind of jumping in the car and going. And I'm, I'm part of that too. I, I mean, I, I, I uh, anyway, that kind of halfway helps. So I would say theology does work because you want it to work correctly. Um, so I, and if I, yeah, if I can take your point, like, even the people that are like, I'm not big on theology. You are teaching like you the are. theology. Yeah. Like you just didn't feel the need to call it something or like yeah. have it fall under like a man-made flag. But you do believe that sin is reckoned with by X. Yeah. You, you may do, not identify it, but you're part of the theology. Yeah, yeah sure. that's right. It's you, you just haven't studied it. And like maybe you haven't gotten in an argument with a guy that believes different than you. Mm-hmm. Right. But overall, you are teaching a theology. It's just not like a, a, a mass-produced consumer theology. Yeah, and, and I, I would I would contend so when Satan when Satan goes to tempt Jesus and he's quoting the scripture at Jesus, why is he not successful? Because Jesus Jesus has good theology, right? Jesus yeah. recognizes like yeah. th- this is where understanding theology. I, I'm not so much worried 
Like that, like the, it's very possible that most people who don't know God have to be introduced to core concepts of God. And it's going to feel fairly rudimentary because it should. These are real basic tenets of how do I introduce a creator God to somebody? Yeah, that totally makes sense. I'm, I'm less worried of like, do I need more than Christ crucified? Well, I mean, Paul highlights it for a reason, but the risk comes when evil shows up, when evil strikes, like um, when, 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 Hey, I believe, I believe this thing about God and then some event, some situation, some somebody contesting, like everybody on the show is Facebook friends with a guy who's going off the dang rails right now with a bunch of wild crap. And like, I read it, like you talk about just, it's a, it's a wrong interpretation of the Old Testament and the uh, uh, uprising, the book of Enoch. Okay. But here's the thing, because my theology is sound, I know the things that he's saying are not true. So I'm not thrown off by them. I know how to explain to people why this is not true so that they're not thrown off by them. Right. So, so like as a great example, good theology would get it. So you're not falling behind the doomsday prepper who says we're already in the seventh seal of revelation, yes. right? Good theology would keep you going from, from the next guy that shows up and says, I'm the antichrist. You're not. Right. And so like uh, good theology does protect you or like you're even right, like like in, in a tragedy, you know, or when something really deep has happened or something very sad has happened. And you're like, you know, God had every bit to control this and 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 save this. And he absolutely chose not to. And like, how do I understand that? Well, good theology bears out, right, that God is good and people are broken yeah. and there's effects of sin in life. You know, but it, it will be redeemed uh, and it will be brought to justice and it will be brought to mercy and grace. And like all these things are based out of good theology. But like if you skip all that, pick the couple verses you like out of Deuteronomy and the Maccabees and then decide this is how we're going to live life from here on out. Yeah, it can be dangerous because like after a while, especially if you're leading a church like you guys know, right? Like you, like you talk about the basics, but we are going to talk about everything that's in that Bible. And there is theology attached to that. You can't just be like. So grace abounds. How was your week? All right. See you next week. Grace abounds. <laughs> right. And and a lot of the ways that we when we talk about having and this is to Dan's point of a systematic theology. Like if you you start believing one thing, th- the next reasonable question as you read on is to go, okay, how do these things fit together? That's the system. When they say systematic theology, you're trying to represent a situation in which, well, if I believe this about God's heart for the world, I believe this about whether you're born with. In, in uh, the ability, uh, like full of sin, or you just sinned later. <laughs> like the question is, all these things have to start to fit, fit together and become the Volvo of the systematic theology, which is different than John Calvin's Chrysler. Yeah. And so, uh, and but it, we all have to reckon with the question of, okay, based upon believing this, that starts to mess with what my understanding was of this. How do they fit together? systematic yeah. theology and that's how it comes i i, I think we got to be cautious that it doesn't feel like so academic it's it's mm-hmm. a series of questions about the nature of god framed up by different circumstances that cause us to go okay how would that how does this work then if i don't if i don't if this part isn't if this thing is not true that someone told me how should i understand it well and actually think of the think of the inherent goodness like it has produced a lot of trouble in the world, no doubt, right? But like the fact that people will go, I need to think about this. I want to ponder on the God that made me. I want to understand, like, was I terrible right when I was born? Because like, if I was, what if I died when I was two? I'm inherently sinful. Yeah. I didn't ask God in Do my I have life. Adam sin, or is it my own sin? Yeah, did, did Adam do it? Did I yeah. do it? Right? And you're like, uh, you know, like on its on its face, when I'm talking to a guy that's like 
that, that's like slammed out on meth. Like maybe we don't need to be going to this exact conversation. Like mm-hmm. let's talk about what grace looks like yeah. and that, that redemption is coming as soon as you want it, friend. Right. But like you should want to know, like when you, if you're, if your kid dies at two, like you're going to be broken and like the loss of that life is hard. But to think that, that like God's character is to punish this kid and throw him into separation from him for all eternity, that's unbearable for a, for a parent. Yeah. Right. You want to want to be taking that in. Right. And so like, you're like, how does that fit in with a God that is good and full of grace? Like, it's it, these are questions that like they should come up as people experience life and go, yeah, yeah. Does that make any sense? Like, you're asking good questions, and and God is zero zero amounts stressed out or anxious by the fact you're asking him, right? Like, he's not worried that you're going to find some kind of closet where he keeps all the bad things, right? Like, he is good and he is just and he is mercy, and he's like, explore away. I want you to know me, and I sure want to know you. Yeah, and here's the, one of the risks I would say when it comes to systematic theology are they are again a, a human's attempt to try to tie a bunch of things together. Mm-hmm. And when your fealty starts to be to the system and not to the question or to God's ability to respond outside of the system, because like when you start creating a systematic theology, you start feeling like you have to answer all questions. But like there is it like there are places where uh, hey, did did I choose or does God not you know does God allow me to choose and like of the at the moment like in a tangible situation i'm not sure why i give a crap like because if i either i can't do anything about it or if i can respond then praise be to god that i'm able to i should now i think it impacts other things so it depends on the situation that you're dealing with but like i it, we run a risk there are people who believe in the cessation of say spiritual certain spiritual gifts miracles specifically right because their systematic theology has other limit they are they are for the most part they're afraid that to the extent that those things still exist exist it, it kind of unleashes the wildness of the holy spirit and then open up things like personal revelation and they can't deal with it there's such a risk in personal revelation and such a perversion by some humans by some of that the system the theology says look it can't be that god would be that reckless with his, his personal interactions with people and so we have to lose that which means we have to lose miracles that's a systematic theology that is actually i think cut off something that God still does and intends for good because our human thing bound up some of the other things that they believe and now their systematic theology cuts it off. And so it's a it doesn't mean that like these are good-hearted people trying to be faithful to the word of God, but they are human ways to try to tie things together. And so I would always it's okay to know to have a systematic theology to read multiple and to take them in. My I would say let God speak first. Let these point you to right questions and be okay if it doesn't fit. Sorry. Was, was that the voicemail? Uh, no, no, the, the uh, microphone moved. Uh, I thought Grace was going to say something. No, I just got put over here. Okay, nice. I love it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, hey, maybe you have uh, a systematic theology that you think is awesome and better than everyone else's. You should uh, portray your lack of humility on the complaint line, 515-517-0085. Maybe you do want to knife me in the parking lot because I didn't say the Calvinism thing right. Uh, I'll give you Booba's address. I was going to say, if you do, I kind of like Ben, so you might have to fight me too. Yeah, yeah. It's the only time I'll say something nice on the show. I also enjoy him. Thanks, Leah. I like fighting. I mean, I never said I enjoy him. (laughs) No, that's that's too far. I said I said I like him, and you said I also, implying that I had said I enjoy (laughs) him. Yeah, move. What move meant is that the reality of the situation is is I'm a stone cold smoke show. (laughs) 
and the world needs me. There, I have a picture of Ben up in my bathroom, and it says Stone Cold Smoke Show. Yes, that is what's happening. And I did just say that aloud so that that could then be sampled just as those words and can put out to the he, internet. That that's I'm excited. So I, this is the time. This oh, is no. the time to introduce it. Oh no. Okay, it's going to take me a little bit of effort, but I'm going to get to it. But we are officially launching a second live from the path podcast. What? Okay. Pardon? And it's it's going to be live from the path the Booba cut. And <laughs> I'm going to simply release every week's show without anybody else's Just voice. Just my isolated audio. Except Booba's track, which means there may be long periods of silence and or eerie holy spiritish music from the elevation worship floating around in the background and then every 12 minutes ah, yeah <laughs> no, just, that's good yeah okay, so i mean okay yeah i'm just I, no no firm date of release but if 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 you're excited for the Buva cut of live from the path that is that is on the radar it's gonna happen and uh, let us know that you're excited okay Five one five five one seven zero zero eight five. Call or text. Say I'm in on the Buva cut. I can't wait. And if you get a bunch of text messages this week that are from one specific number saying I'm not in for the Buva cut, it's definitely not me. Okay. I wonder. <laughs> Evil astro. Oh no, I'm suspicious. I've called attention. You're deceitful from your mother's womb. The the, the <laughs> what? <laughs> That's I have a systematic theology. <laughs> it covers Buva. It covers. <laughs> that's how i know i'm never going to be like the the person who causes a movement in the church because there's no way anyone is ever going to call themselves an engeldingerist someday like, <laughs> yeah. yeah it doesn't work for lutheran like martin luke martin luther or calvinism it's like engeldingerism yeah he here's the deal he sounds like an elf he was plotting to launch one a, a movement like three years ago and he said i'm just it's going to start from the ground up it's going to come from the bowels i'm going to call it the and i said nope Nope, stop right there. He stopped me. Stop right there. All you, right. You cannot call it the bowel movement. <laughs> and it ended. <laughs> yeah, it, it really didn't have any legs. It, it, that's so. the Booba Cut. Uh, it's uh, Booba Cut 515. <laughs> right, you're listening live from the path. Mike, we should give out some advice. Yeah, yeah Mike. Okay, Grace is in. Go ahead, Grace. I'm Mike. Yep. Right. Do you laugh from the path? <laughs> For many years, Adam, no, my, sorry, sorry. A friend of many years, Adam, no longer speaks to me. We met in high school and were involved in band, debate club, and other activities together. He recently discovered through a genealogy site that he was adopted and neither of his parents were his birth parents. The site led him to clues about other biological relatives, and he eventually reached his birth mother, who rejected his efforts to talk to her. I recently learned about this from another high school friend. When I contacted Adam, he responded with hostility, stating that I am no longer his friend because I didn't reach out when he was going through all this, but I didn't know at the time. I cannot locate any voice messages, emails, texts, etc., showing that he shared with me the details of what happened. I live in a different part of the country now. I've offered to travel to visit him. I also offered to talk on the phone, but I've received only aggressive and bitter responses. How can I show Adam that I do care about him, and that I had known about this situation, and that had I known about this situ- his situation... At the time it happened, I would have been there for him. Oh my. He seems angry. I would just stop talking to him for a little bit. Give him time to cool off. So you and Adam. This has been going on for years. Nobody ever said that. <laughs> you guys figuring it out over there? <laughs> I like it. So you, you and Adam have been friends for a long, long, long time. Is it, have they? Yeah, they go back to band and debate club. Yeah, but after that. did, yeah. did Sorry, did I get... It felt like they just fell off even like right after that. Like... They've not really they been stopped friends. stopped like, like they graduated, then went separate ways? Yeah. Am I reading that, that right, Grace? Maybe. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. That was confident. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair. Either way, yes, you sir. and Adam used to be good buddies. Yes, used to. You were you were in the band together in the debate club, and he went through some roughings, and apparently is mad that you weren't there for him. Mm-hmm. And you've attempted multiple times to reach out, and it's been nothing but animosity. I think that you can less frequently reach out. Like, maybe if it's like you do it every month or so now and you just get animosity, maybe maybe knock it back. Maybe send a Christmas card. And then see how Adam responds to your Christmas card or your newsletter that updates Adam on your life. And then Adam goes, forget your newsletter, and then sends you it back ripped up. Merry Christmas. How's that animosity coming? How's Love that animosity? Joy to the world. I mean, you can still reach out. Even in anger, Adam may appreciate that you're still there. Like even if it's just a, mm-hmm. once in a little while, like I've I've had some friends that have it, the the relationship has soured, mm-hmm. and I still reach out to them every once in a while, not very often. It doesn't usually go great, but like I do want them to know that they're still in my in my in my mind, and like I do think about them. Based upon the ineffectiveness of your relationships and situation, your advocation is for him to do the same. Because like, what's what's it actually doing against you? Like, what's it hurting that you're? I don't might be riling them up. <laughs> Yeah, it seems to be hurting a lot. Once a year. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Don't do it. Okay. Everybody gets riled up during Christmas. Adam recently found out that his biological mother is a blah, blah, blah. Okay? Hmm. Hold on. I have a quick question. Christmas about stinks. Okay. Did I say he found that out on a site? Because does that not seem sketchy? Like traced his genealogy? <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. I like when people take those online personalities. No, okay. Oh, all right. Hold on yeah. a second. They took their Myers-Briggs and this- found out that another woman was an ENFP. And he was like, "You must be my biological." Yeah, mother. that's just like sus, like <laughs> everywhere. Okay, listen here. There are there's legit. It's a gene. It's a genetic test. The genealogies, like you can actually trace your lineage. It's not the same thing as like answer these three questions, and I'll know you what your job. I'm will be. thankful that 13 years into the show, we finally have someone who non-ironically said the word sus. That'll this feels <laughs> sus. <laughs> I'm with Layla. The internet's dangerous. I'm telling you. Man, this is bussin'. Is he okay? The, is he the imposter? This is bussin'. No cap for real. <laughs> the queen of indoor runs the internet. That's what I'll say. I do not Okay. This. All right, Dan. This is move all on. facts. Dan, no printer. Dan, you say give up on just, it. Just move on. Yeah. Who, 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 I mean, I don't, I can't tell you the last time I've talked to someone from high school. I mean, like within six months. Dan, we I can't left. base I, our, I our we can't base our our advice based on your popularity in high school. <laughs> no, they all try to to reach me, and I get angry. <laughs> Dan, you also you did like- say automobile about five minutes ago, <laughs> and carburetor. Hey, he sucks. I'm not saying I think you are a youthful man of many many colorful shirts. Okay, Pontiac. Pontiac. That's true. Every time I see the Pontiac that I, I park next to at home, I say Pontiac in my head, and it's your fault, and I love it. Oh, okay, here's yeah. here's here's how this plays out for me. Uh, this this non friend of yours, stop calling him a friend. They're not your friend. Adam's your best buddy. They did not reach out to you and tell you that they were going through it. You heard some sort of rumor gossip, and then inserted yourself into a situation of which he might be raw about. Okay, so here's what I'm gonna tell you. I'm going to support Boova's point, except for you're only going to do it once, and you're going to mail it. And you're going to say, look, Snail mail. after you've already dealt with this person multiple times and they're not reacting positively, but say, look, I didn't, uh, I'm sorry if I interacted in a situation um, in a way that was not helpful. I was just trying to be helpful. Um, I, I completely understand if I cannot be of any, any assistance to you at this time. I totally understand. Just know that I'm here from you if you need me. I care about you forever and always. Love so and so, and then you're gonna drop it. 
And and there will be a time when this person gets their mind right, in which they may reach back out to you, and I think they should. However, there's no reason to go and keep casting pearls before swine and setting fires that are not going to do any good. You're never going to be Adam's friend again if you keep calling him swine. That's fine. <laughs> no cap. That's fine. I completely agree with Ben. I was just about to say the same thing, actually. Yeah, same. Because he hasn't put, like, any work into this while she is putting in all the work. And friendship is a two-way road. Yeah. I don't know how it's... I don't know how it's... Yep. You're There's, right. But, like... It's not supposed to be only one person putting in the work. It's supposed to be two people. If he hasn't talked to you in forever, then, I mean, I would probably not talk to him either because he hasn't said a single thing. And that probably means he doesn't really think you're really best buddies. So he would probably not reach out to you because he wouldn't. He didn't think of you like as that close of a friend. Yeah, but think about it this way. Is this not the friendship equivalent of no means no? First off, no. Yes, the same. You, you do not have a good pulse on the concept of friendship. No means no. Second off, <laughs> this is like that's absolutely want, right. Jesus want, did say, "Love your neighbors as long as it's a two-way street and they love you back." Yeah. That's absolutely true. That's, I remember that part. Jesus did not say, "Do not cast your pearls before swine." Oh, I told you, you need to stop calling my buddy yeah, Adam Swine. Okay, he's not your we buddy. Were in he band. hasn't talked to you. He hasn't put any work into this. He's not your buddy. Now listen, it's your a, job is to be a friend. It's it's. Oh, well, hold on. It's Thank okay. It's a, friend. your friendships are not are not uh, transactional. All right, it's perfectly okay that they're not equitable. Right. And in times of trouble, you reach out to yep. try to help somebody. Absolutely. If you have done it multiple times, Keep doing and it. they insist on biting you in the hand, here's what I might say: Jesus will hear you. You might, you might be a good friend. <laughs> you might be a good friend, and this may not be your moment. If you befriend a snapping turtle, the Lord will bless you and heal it over and over again as you get bit. Yeah, and when you tell your friend, "I'm here to help," and they ref- they refuse to give up all their possessions and walk away from you, you should should chase them down and tug at their coat and said, please like me. Sometimes donkeys bite. <laughs> that's, that's the boo way. <laughs> and sometimes donkey says, why you keep hitting me? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Don't hit the donkey. Befriend it. Even if it's not nice. He's hitting you. Yep, right. <laughs> you take a hit. Turn the other cheek. That's what that means. I do. I'm just. There's no way I took that wrong. No and, cap for real. And then <laughs> turn the other cheek and sweep the Man, leg. your friendships are sus. That's all I'm saying. Just, okay. I'm just saying like. Shoot, I had it. Now I lost it. Happens to well, me. Well, see, like, if you're, like, if you keep saying stuff to him and he's just responding as a swine, <laughs> if he's responding poorly, then you should, you should hoist up your, <laughs> hoist up your, I don't know how to say it. I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. No, if no, you're getting no, clapping no. from Mike about no. how you should act in a friendship... It is almost exactly the I, the wrong message. I'm just saying, like, I get it. Just build up the courage to say, "Hey, you're not doing anything in this, and I'm trying to help you. If you're not gonna help, if you're not gonna tell me anything, yeah. then I'm gonna have to be done with this. Right. You can respond back. I'm okay with that, but you need to quit this attitude that you have because you didn't tell me nothing. Yeah, your biological mother hates you, and yeah. you're a bad friend. Yeah, Adam is gonna love that. <laughs> Adam in this broken place in his life, being told that he's a schmuck, is totally okay. gonna love on. Okay. <laughs> Ella, listen here. We had we were kind of together, and then you you kind of over. You really it. did stand up on the well, soapbox every second. Well, you gotta hoist your pants sometimes if he's being a okay. But listen, it. like the Lorax. Listen, <laughs> this has gotten away from us. Hoist your pants. I don't this know has gotten what away to from say. us. No cap. Okay, for listen. Real. All right, listen. I, it's okay. I, sometimes you need to recognize that your attempts to help aren't helping. That is not the same thing as as, as riling up animosity toward the person. They're obviously going through a rough time. They're acting unreasonably, right? right. I, like on Agreed principle, they're acting unreasonably. Sometimes 
People do, do not know how to take your help in. They don't know how to express anything. And so they're going to they're going to take a bite out of anything that sticks their hand in the cage. OK, that's why you like, go so the man. gentle way. Then you go the hey, this no, isn't working. No, just hold. Here's the deal. You, there's no reason to have animosity towards this person. If you want to help, hold the line on. I want to help. If it's not helping, then take a break and hold off yeah. and wait until they're ready and say, look, and I'm here for you. I'm not sure that I'm against if you want to like remind them every every year and go, hey, still thinking about you, still here if you need me, fine. But like you don't try to rescue a stray cat by continuing to grab it while it hisses at you. You got to give us some space. Yeah, because sometimes you get stuck with a stray cat and then the feral cat just lives in your room. It lives in your house. You can't <laughs> just, do anything. You just can't get rid of it. All right. What, see, is, what does see, Secular have to say on this one? I the reason I'm not understanding you, Ben, is because I don't know what the heck animosity means. I don't know what that means. Anger. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Then. Wrath, really. Face. Yeah, it's R- when you wrath. flare your nostrils and sign of the apocalypse. Face <laughs> yeah, Grace, what, is, what does Secular have to say yeah. on this one? Right, Secular says, Your friend is going through a lot right now and is rightfully angry that his birth mother rejected it as his effort to connect. That's rough. He is hurt and is and looking for somewhere to transfer his anger. Yep. You shouldn't be blamed for not reacting to something you were in the dark about. But until Adam is ready to recognize that fact and patch things up, nothing you can do will fix this. My advice is to sit tight for now. Hmm. Yeah. Santa Christmas. I went the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) I went the wrong road. Amen. (laughs) No, listen, don't turn code on just because secular said. (laughs) No, yeah, that's the truth. Part of this is we have to hold our ground regardless of if we're wrong or not, and also regardless of what secular says. (laughs) I went down the wrong side. I hoisted my pants. All right, let's do. I've never heard that phrase. Is that? I really don't know phrase? where it you're, came from. You're I not was... doing. You're not doing anything. Buva hasn't done for the last 13 years, where I'm... I like really like entrench myself in the wrong advice on a dear life for the path, and then yeah. get reamed for it for about 10 minutes. I was trying to find a way that you could like say, "Well, you gotta you'd like a buckle down." I was trying to find that. I could Hoist not. The pants. What you were thinking about put your big boy pants on. Like yeah, a... that yeah. <laughs> Sweep the leg, Johnny. Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. All right, Mike, are, we, are you looking for another one? Yeah, I got one more. Okay, okay. ready? Yep. Hold on. No, we just did that one. Hang on a second. I had it. Okay. Hey, oh, no, there's it. There we go. No, go ahead, Booba. No, I was just going to fill time for you. No, I'm ready. Okay, go ahead. Dear, I'm from the path. <laughs> I have a sister-in-law, Helen, who has appointed herself as the final word on all family events. Helen? Helen. Helen? No other Helen. relative has any input into when, where, what, etc. regarding any family celebration. If it's not her way, it's the highway. The biggest problem with Helen is she schedules everything on the date that fits her calendar without regard for anyone else's. Here's an example. We once celebrated Christmas in February because because that worked best for her. Another time, my wife and I scheduled a complicated vacation around my brother's birthday so we could be there to celebrate with him. Helen moved his birthday party right into the middle of our vacation. More examples. Thanksgiving is celebrated in early December. And other significant dates fall whenever she decides and are subject to change at the last moment at her whim. Complying with Helen's one-sided demands makes planning for everyone else a nightmare. The control doesn't end there. It also includes the venue, menu, and guest list. She even puts place cards on the table designating the seating arrangements. As with everything else, these are not negotiable. Uh If not complied with, the offender is subjected to a minimum of six months of silent treatment and ghosting. Okay. How does one deal with this? Okay, I have Helen this. sounds like when a southern person is thrown up. Helen! L- listen. Helen! <laughs> listen to me. This is not Helen's problem. Why are you bowing to the will of Helen anyhow? That's right. Yeah. This is your problem. This is your whole family problem. When it says hell, hell or the highway, take the highway. Helen, we're not going to do the thing you said. 
We're gonna we're all gonna go somewhere else. You're gonna sit by yourself in your placard tent. Like if she's that inflexible, some people now listen here. Some people are good at organizing. Uh, it makes them feel good to be in control. And frankly, a lot of times you should be thankful for that. What do you want to do it? You should be thankful. However, if she's completely dominating, refuses to listen to other people, then go, Helen, we're not doing that. We're all going to do this other thing. This is your fault. You've permitted this. Uh, Helen is just being Helen. You're allowing Helen to be Helen. That's your fault. Hoist your pants. Yeah. (laughs) She has the authority that the family has given her. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. When when they give you the option of the six-month silent treatment, I would take it. Yeah. I'm just saying, make her take a dose of her own medicine. If she is not, like... You're on the vengeance track today, Ella. Yes, I guess. I don't know. If she's not willing to, like... Let a little control go, then you're just gonna have to end up doing stuff without her, cause she's just she's being too much of a controller. That's not that's not how yeah. it's gonna Helen, work. Yeah, Helen, you're a controller. Yeah, that's what I'll this say. Sounds this sounds like control a freak. This, yeah, this this sounds like a rough time for you. That like it's it's messing with you and your family. That that right. it's it's so bad enough that like you're you're letting us know about it. You're asking yeah. live from the path okay, about it, right? Over. Okay. Why do you got to talk like they're on a couch next to you? <laughs> some kind of wispy music. Friend. <laughs> so, Ooh, so the Mike, can is, you play a little piano for me real quick? No. When you have this six-month silent treatment, you can plan the rest of the year's right. events. Yeah. I was actually and just about out. to say, you know what's yeah. great? Is just not, just don't go. Yeah. Like, there is, there is no obligation for you to have to go. Just like go, all right, fine. If Helen is causing me distress, I'm no longer going to go to the events. Your life will not crumple if yeah. you don't go to Christmas. I mean, is it like a group chat or something? Our family all does everything in group <laughs> chats. Right. And someone says, oh, can't make that date. And we go, oh, okay, here's another date. Helen sends a newsletter once a year that has all the <laughs> dates the on it. And it's to her friend Adam, yeah. who has yeah. recently found out that his biological. <laughs> Little did yeah. he no, know. Like Helen it, it won't change. You have your family. You've got a wife. You've got a family. You've got the family that you want to see. You probably don't even want to see all that extended family every single time. You don't it's to fine to just cousins. be like, I live with my wife and I live with my family. And guess what? We're going to celebrate, celebrate Christmas on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Helen, I don't care when you celebrate it. If it works for our time, we'll be there. And if it doesn't, we won't. Yeah. We don't care. Okay. Yeah. But okay, but I feel like I mean this isn't a big deal, but I feel like she's gonna give you the guilt treatment, you know? Yeah, I, but you, you know, just don't accept it. it. Yeah. Don't so, accept it. Guilt, guilt means nothing. I know, but like that, I'm the type of person that makes guilt makes me feel really bad. I don't choose better for yourself. I know, but it's hard. <laughs> it is. But if you've dealt with Helen for years and years and years, guess what feels very freeing? No longer giving her the power of guilt. Yeah, yeah. like I mean, it, listen, if Helen's involved, take a guilt vacation. Don't just trip. Vacation. <laughs> Ah, not a guilt so, trip, a guilt vacation. But now, here's the thing. You don't, that sounds so All right, I get it. You, you've permitted this, and so uh, however angry you might be at Helen's behavior, because you're responsible for it, you don't have to start a fire with Helen. Yeah. Hey, let's say she plans the thing, and you're going to make it. Everyone's going to come this time. Great. And you go up, and you say, you give Helen a hug, and you say, Helen, I really appreciate you putting this together. I, I'm not going to follow the placards. It's not that I don't love you. I'm going to sit by who I want to sit. But thanks so much. I'm glad to see you. Right. I don't, you don't have to be angry with her. You don't have to like give her the same goofball treat. You don't have to teach her a lesson. Yes. Just live your life in a normal fashion. Control how worked up you get about how worked up she gets and just go about your business. When you're able to set up boundaries with your family, it is one of the greatest things ever. To be able to go, I don't have to answer your phone calls. I don't have to show up to your parties. 
I don't have to hurt your feelings whenever we see each other or not hurt your feelings. And everything about your life doesn't have to impact everything about mine. I'm going to be a human being in a family. You can be a human being in a family, Helen. And I hope the best for you. And I'm going to pray for you. And I love it. That's yep. never a Come good on, thing. Come on, Booba. That's Actually, never a good thing. You went the wrong way. <laughs> that's wrong, Ella. Yeah, that's not, that's not, that's not right. Your what? dad, already, he already clapped for me. No, we, we had, in fact, we had a situation one time. Mike, I think you remember this. We were going to be in somebody's wedding, and they basically said, look, you have to, I'm going to be offended if you don't eat the food. And we were like, we're going to bring Chick-fil-A. And uh, yeah. and they were trying to guilt everybody as saying, like, hey, I really, I picked this food out, and I'm going to be offended if you don't eat it. I feel like it was what like super like expensive dead, food, too. Do, do yeah. I know that person? What if you're they like were like, look, it's going to be like a hundo. You got to pay me like a hundo for the food. And I'm yeah. like, we're going to bring our own food. There's yeah. no way we're doing this. What yeah. if you're like deathly allergic to something and they're like, well, just try it. I'm going to die if I try that. No. That's a terrible friend. Has also a very a specific example that you are death. <laughs> As you were both in my wedding, for a second, I thought that was about to be a story about me. No. Okay. And I don't think it was I a prideful thing. Thought. It was just context. But yeah. like, I was like, did I, did I rude you guys at my wedding and I don't remember it? No. Okay, cool. Ben doesn't even remember being in my wedding, so no. it's fine. Uh, no, that actually did happen. We talked about it on the show. You said you would be offended if we didn't eat your wedding food because we said, hey, is there Chick-fil-A near this place? Oh, yeah. We're gonna get That's some. why I remember it. It was my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting here thinking, I was like, who do I, why do I know what person that was? Yes, I do remember. And no, I didn't ask you to pay for the like food. A, it was like $100 a plate. call me out. No, all of that was paid for. You oh, did not have to pay over thing. here. Whatever. I'm literally sitting here. I'm like, why does this sound so familiar? It's because it was my wedding. No, I did not ask you to pay for anything. He was a tyrant. Yeah, what a, I don't remember What a Helen. <laughs> we are going to have Christmas in February because it works for the Helen. <sighs> Okay, Helen of Troy. What is what's, what is uh, what secular? Secular says uh, the question was how does one deal with this? Uh, secular says one deals with this by discussing it with other family members to see if they feel the same as you do and are willing to face the consequences of Helen's extended silences, which, from my perspective, might be a relief. Then pray she doesn't plan your funeral. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> yeah. So the only advice I would give counter to that is is like I, I mean you could talk it over with your family, but like. You need to you need to make a good decision for your household, yeah. right? Like even if your brother's family ain't on board with it, like you do, you're you're in charge of your family, and like you do what's best for them. Like you don't have to be a jerk or selfish about it, but like if you can't make it, you can't make it. I was just thinking the placards thing was hilarious because like I can't think of one placard I've obeyed since I was seven. Yeah, right. I walk in and I'm like, Mike's gonna sit here. I'm like, I see no. I see no trespassing sign. Here's <laughs> the thing. It's like I can take uh, I, I can take orders from other people. But, like, this placard ain't going to tell me what to do. I'm certainly not going to take orders from this folded-up piece of paper. Also, yeah. let's be honest about the, the February Christmas thing. That's awesome. Like, you get to have a Christmas for your family, and your kiddos get to have an awesome Christmas during Christmas time. And then two months later every year, because it works for Helen, we get another Christmas. No, Helen goes, don't be having a Christmas at your place. Well, forget you, Helen. I'm having a Christmas at my place on December 25th. We're going to celebrate Christmas the birth of I Jesus and presents. And then in two months, we're going to go, hey, Helen, we got you a card two months ago. Mm-hmm. She okay, probably gets is... you cleaning products for Christmas. I hope so. I need them. This is completely... Give me the 409. This is completely unrelated in total ways. Um, Excited to hear you, it, Can you remove family people legally? Oh, I'm sorry, what? Can you remove <laughs> yes. family people legally is think, the funniest question I've ever heard. Like disown? You can disown people, right? Like, are you asking, like, can I legally remove them from think, my... The law doesn't I, care about your second cousin. I think cousin. when you disown people, it's just like you're shunning them, like, I don't care for you anymore, bye. 
But can you legally disown someone? Can you? It's the, it's at this time Mike realized his parenting skills are lacking. <laughs> Is there someone in particular that you're trying to disown? I'm Helen. not your real uncle. Okay. Helen. You can't kick me out. I thought this was an assassination. We could. I, like, yeah. Is it, is it legal to take away was, your family? I was worried you would take it that way, and I was like, oh, they're totally thinking I'm going to kill him. How, how do I remove my Uncle Ben? <laughs> I would like to aggressively disown my Aunt Fanny. <laughs> no, okay. Keep an eye on Ella's Google search any time from now. We if you start seeing, how do you legally remove someone yeah. from your life? Also, shovels and quicklime. I definitely didn't look Closest pig farm. Way here. Okay, now listen to me. Apart from Ella's apparent comedy with removing people from her life... <laughs> Like we've ta- probably talked about this a thousand times. Like there's a, there's a gal that I watched uh, when we were prospective adoptive parents. There's a gal named Karen Purvis, and like that they she dealt a lot with uh, like uh, parenting adoptive kids, especially ones that come from uh, like third world countries or like famine situations or whatever. And like they're gonna act out and they're gonna act in a certain way. And like the major point of all those videos was is like their emotions don't get to change influence your emotions. Yep. Right. And so, like, this is true with Helen. Like, this is true with family members that are hard to get along with. Right. Adam. This is true with Adam. This is true with Adam. True with Adam. Right. Like, like you, you are, if when you find that you're following their emotions up and down, right, when they're happy, you're happy. When they're mad, you're mad. When they're upset at you, now you're upset because they're upset at you. It's right? not like a family ride along on emotions. Yeah. But that's the thing is you're riding an emotional train that you don't even want to be on. Right, you don't want to live that way. It's exhausting, right? And and it has it comes with guilt that doesn't even belong to you. And so, like, there's there's like practical things to do, like you set up boundaries, right? Of things that like you 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 decide in your mind. Here's what I'm going to tolerate, right? Will I take a phone call from Helen? Sure. Does she get to call me in the middle of the day when I'm at work? No. I will call her back when I have time. Not every time she calls is going to be an emergency, right? When she says we're going to do Christmas on February 23rd, and I go. Helen, I can't make February 23rd. And she's going to be all angry about it. I go, look, I'm sorry. I would love, have loved to see you. If you have any other dates, we'll do our best to make it. But 23rd aren't going to work. Let us know. And ain't that's right. it. Well, You're not mad because you missed it. You're not mad at her for planning it. You just, it's a fact. You're just dealing in facts, not emotions, right? We can't make it. I wish we could make it. That's a fact. Uh, I thank you for trying to plan it. That's also a fact. But, like, we just can't make it. And it's, it's the difference between expending all of the energy you have in your entire life trying to put the brakes on that emotional roller coaster versus just getting, getting off, off the roller yeah. coaster. <clears throat> yep. And and standing there and waiting for them to be ready to get off to. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do this with anybody at any time, right? Like if, yes. like, like your any friends. Relationship. As your friends groups will change, your relationships with people at work will change, right? Like there's nothing set Watch in stone. The, the worst thing you can do is is find yourself in a situation you don't want to be in and then have to concoct a crazy plan to, like, fix it. Like, sometimes you just need to get out. Sometimes you just need to leave the situation, and then the whole world looks way different, right? Like, you were clouded under this Helen's thing where everything is, like, push and stressful and hard and difficult. And then you don't go to one of those Christmases, and you look out at the world and you go, well, hot dang, the old sun shines. <laughs> and I got up what time I wanted to, and we got coffee, and the kids had waffles. And, like, this Christmas is kind of awesome. I didn't even think this was possible because you were so blinded by, like, Helen's ridiculous vitriol. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I, yeah. I, we don't need, we, you don't need to teach Helen a lesson. You don't need to help her change her ways, but you also don't have to be subject to it. So you came in calmly, you dealt calmly, you left calmly. All that's, that, that's how you deal with people who are completely amped up and ridiculous.
The bonus of getting shunned for six months, you no longer get invited to her ridiculous party. Well, the bonus for getting shunned is you don't care. Right. Like, it's you're not, you, you don't hate Helen, but you are apathetic to whether you attended the thing or not. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're like, uh, it's, you're, you're, the bonus is, is that you don't feel either way about it. Right? Like, you're not going to get riled up. You're not going to match her energy. You're not an energy matcher. Right? Whatever energy you came in with, it's the one you hold. You just hold that energy. Because when you, when you don't, people get to puppet you around. Right? You get to fall to their crazy. And there's a lot of crazy in the world. <laughs> I would now like a shirt that has Mike Foost on it, drawn as a kind of like a cartoon character with like the six hands and the middle eye and stuff like that, and says, Mike Foost, energy catcher. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And no. like the uh, sands of the hourglass, these are the days of our lives. You've been listening to Live from the Path. We appreciate yeah. you hanging out with us tonight. I hate that. No. <laughs> You Boom loved track. it. <laughs> you, we need you to loved have it. like, a, like uh, a super dramatic exit, like, as evil struck, this was a good prepared church. That's uh, us. You've been listening to Live from the Past. I don't oh. want to match that energy. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're trying to, we're going to succeed in getting out of here. That's what we're going to do. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. If you got any feedback for the show, uh, g- uh, good, good, bad, indifferent, you just want to, you want to hum a tune uh, and you want other people to enjoy it, you want to tell a joke that your wife's sick of hearing. 515-517-0085. Call or text. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we will see you when we see you. In the meantime, be faithful in the men's means apocalypto. And God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path. <laughs>